How you doing? Thank you for listening to another episode of Let's Talk. My name is Maximai Badaf, and we are continuing a series of our Pride episodes. This week, we're going full-on gay, because we are going to be talking about the pillar of the LGBTQ community, RuPaul's Drag Race made our best woman, best woman win. Mariah, who? Today, to talk all the tea about Drag Race, I'm joined by my fellow Baruch thespian, Robert Jacob Godberson. Hi, vocals. Okay, I caught you with that how you doing. Like, like, I know I was on Wendy, but that was a long time ago. I know it follows me everywhere I go, and I'm sunk. It's not the most proud moment of my life, because it is, but um, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I can't with the singing. So, oh, oh my God, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me on here. This is like... Really, just a little gay New York boy's dream come true to be on a podcast called Let's Walk. And, you know, I've been on Wendy and now this. So what's left? Like, I I just stepped up the ladder all the way to the very tippy top. Like, there's nothing past this. Next stop is Drag Race. Oh, wait. Can I curse? Uh, You can do whatever. It's the internet. Oh, okay. Because I'm very fucking excited to be doing this. And I have a lot of fucking things to say. So, let's go. (laughs) Again, before we talk about Drag Race... Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Let our viewers fall in love with you the way I love you. Oh my goodness. So, hi. Well, my name is Rob. Like Max already said, we both go to Baruch and we met just doing uh, a cute production last semester. This show called As Is. So, I'm a theater minor. I love Drag Race. I worked in PR for a little while. I want to work in PR, marketing something. I just want to be like Samantha Jones of New York City, but not as explicitly sexual because I'm not a gorgeous, like vivacious, blonde, middle-aged, rich woman. But maybe one day I will be. You are a gorgeous 20-something-year-old skinny ass twink from Long Island. Just 20, just 20, not even 21. I am like a literal child. I don't know if it's legal for me to be doing this, but um, don't tell anyone that I'm drinking like vodka in this coffee. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> I'm just so excited to be here. And yeah, I've been watching Drag Race for like my whole entire adolescent gay life. And I also want to add that I think we are in the middle of the beginning of a political revolution that what has been going on this last week on my social media is unlike anything I can remember being on Instagram, being mm-hmm. alive. I mean, we all lived through 2016 and, and 2013 when the Black Lives Matter movement, I feel like had its biggest momentum or its biggest like moments in pop culture. Yeah, since I was born. That's what I'm trying to say. Like in the last decade of the specific BLM movement, because I'm pretty sure Black Lives Matter was something, a phrase that was coined as of recent, like, you know, for the Black Lives movement in general. I'm not talking about like civil rights. But mm-hmm. now it's like, What's been going on is some of the scariest stuff I think I've ever witnessed being like alive, but also there's something about the energy that's going on. I don't know if you've been to protest, Max, but like I've been trying to go to some local ones by me on Long Island where I'm currently quarantined. And it's just like, I can't help but be grateful that we actually have this opportunity to do this now because in the midst of all the horrible shit that this pandemic put us through, I think that this wouldn't be happening without that. I mean, people being out of work, like we have like hundreds of thousands of people who don't have a job right now that's millions and horrible yeah millions like it's horrendous and i think like this is a product of that and it's like if we're gonna do anything while some of us may have nothing to do let's fucking overthrow the government (laughs) i mean i don't want i do not want to necessarily get hurt but so when i say overthrow i overthrow i really just mean peaceful cool exactly dismantle what the fuck is going on because i'm so incredibly indescribably proud of people our age and older who are like really doing shit and like i think 
this podcast is going to be about Drag Race, which we literally, Max and I just had a conversation over text, like, I guess yesterday, maybe a couple days ago, where we were like, oh my God, All Stars 5 is coming out. It feels so inappropriate. Right. At least I did. I know I said that, but I think it's especially because it's Pride Month and I think we have this like intersection now of Black Lives Matter and political activism and queer culture. It's like Drag Race could sort of be like a representation of that. We have a new Black winner, a new Black reality. Yep. There's so much going on right now in pop culture that I guess I'm kind of glad it's not necessarily halted. And it's just like taking it through a different lens. Like we're experiencing Drag Race during this crazy political time. I think we should take it for what it is, realize yep. how it's all connected and just try to find a sliver of joy in it because there has to be some sort of window of, of even if light. it's not the answer. Yeah, a window of light, exactly. I'm like- A ray of light. But a ray of light, uh, like a la Miss Madam X herself, but- Oh, we're gonna talk about her in this case. You already know. Oh, I can't wait. I will acknowledge that this is being recorded during really just an incredible time for- History. Her story. Her story. I mean, history, yeah. And like, as someone who's not Black, it's like, we're all experiencing it differently because we don't all share the same fears or the same struggles and stuff like that. But it's just like, I don't know whether it's right to say that I'm grateful or not. I think I'm just grateful that change should be coming. But mm -hmm. I don't want anyone else to get hurt. I don't want anything else to get worse. But I will be there protesting as soon as I'm back in New York, like doing whatever I can. Um, yeah. Wow, I've just never seen this sort of, everyone wants to say that we're not united, bitch, I've never seen this. We're very united. united. All 50 states exactly. are protesting. Oh, I know, I mean, yeah. outside of the country too. I think that's what's insane. I just, I think it's just important to check myself and it's like, I'm scared but happy. It's this weird, it's this weird mixture because Black Lives Matter has just been like around, but it's right. like people either took it really seriously or people were able to just scroll past it on their Twitter and be like, oh, another horrible thing happened what are we gonna do right. it's like now it's it's go time like people right. want an answer and want a solution now and i think it's amazing well i think it's interesting that the black lives matter to me is kind of like drag which is something that was very ostracized very criticized very mm -hmm. other i think drag is an art form but it's a very political statement you know we live in a patriarchal mm -hmm. world and to see these gay men or trans women or whomever criticize and ridicule these gender norms, which I believe are the basis of our society, this constant struggle between masculine and feminine. But like, you know, exactly. it's like, like dominant yeah. versus submissive and it's just this kind of power dynamic that is kind of, we see flipping, but not, but not even flipping, just being completely dismantled by both Black Lives Matter, which is targeting the white supremacy and the white centric mm -hmm. structure of this country and drag as well, because it's challenging gender norms. And, you know, we can see these feminine, queer POC being proudly themselves and people eating it up. Like, in the mm. past couple of years, like, I think, I think it took Black Lives Matter until this moment to become this mainstream, united, universal idea that Black lives do matter and innocent people shouldn't be killed. And then drag is an art and it's a form of expression. If people feel beautiful and happy expressing themselves, mm -hmm. spreading joy, then why the hell not? Yeah, you know, I never thought about it as having that sort of parallel. I mean, it's so interesting to think about it in that way. And it's just like, down to the in the most basic sense, I wouldn't be able to sit here and say that I am openly gay, openly gender fluid, all these things above if it weren't for Black trans women during the Stonewall riots yep. who essentially started the entire gay rights movement in New York City. Like, that's literally who we had to thank. And I think during this time, it's so important to remember 
that Black trans lives matter as well. And if it's not every Black life that matters, then it doesn't count. Right, then what are we fighting for? Exactly. And so there are so many parallels. And I think that's why, again, it's, I said it before, but it's crazy that this is happening during Pride Month. It just feels like this insane energy. Like, we don't get a Pride Parade this year. We're not going to have that Pride celebration. But in a different way, like, this is some of the most powerful energy, right. I think that we felt since the actual, like, I mean, there's been other revolutions and other protests and a lot of other political change to happen, but Stonewall happened exactly now, it's 51 years ago. We just celebrated the 50th anniversary last year. And now it's like, we got that celebration and now it's time to fuck shit up again. Yeah, that, Like that was originally an anti-police. Exactly. Not every parade was a parade full of banks and oil companies exactly. and politicians, you know, like waving oh my God, flags. No. I don't even want to get into like the commercial. Oh, we're gonna we're, we're, we're gonna it. talk about it as well. <laughs> so I do want to bring it back to drag. You said that you have been watching Drag Race for a hot minute. Like, when did you start watching it? So my experience with Drag Race is really funny because in middle school I have a best friend. She's gay. She's great. She's still my best friend for middle school into my current life and of course she's about, great she's gay exactly all my literally it's so funny when you look back at high school who all my friends are they either were all gay then or they're all like gay now did you do it did you turn did gay? I do what? No, 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 no. I mean, I there's some people who are out now from high school who I would love to like reconnect with because I'm like, bitch, I knew. But I'm really talking about my best, best friend in seventh grade when I guess none of us were out. My friend and her family who are just the most amazing, like queer friendly family ever. Because I'm talking back in like 2011, they watched Drag Race. And I think it was season four. And she was like, oh yeah, Sharon Needles and Tiki O'Hara. And I went home on my iPad and it was back before everything streaming was popular. And I actually bought the first episode of season four of Drag Race off of like the iTunes store. Oh, she spent coins on it. I spent like $2.99 on the episode on my iTunes gift card. And I guess I, I remember watching it on my iPad and my mom wa finding me watching it. And I got like so admonished. She was like so angry at me. She was like really grossed out. And I was like, oh my God, what are you talking about? Like, I just want to watch this. And I literally remember watching it with the zombie apocalypse episode. And she, she made me feel so wrong for watching it with like my little brother, who at the time was like four years younger than me. So I guess he was like, like nine or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God. And she scared me into like, you never watch this again. And, like this is too mature for you like whatever I took my iPad away and the episode just kind of always lived on there and I like never really watched it again so then fast forward 10th grade which was season 7 for me when I was in 10th grade so like 3 years later Tati was robbed exactly like that was like me like on my on like my Twitter page like everything like I was so like Katya is mom Katya is robbed and I was obsessed with Violet I wanted like Pearl to win so I had like no taste even though I love I can see that for you I can see that for you. I know I was like Violet or Pearl has to win and then when Violet won I was like so excited I just didn't want Ginger to win I was such a typical like American apparel little white gay it was 2015 it was such a good era of life so then that's when I that's when I started watching because my friends my same friend who watched it in seventh grade was telling me about it was like just watch it like just start watching it tonight I started on like episode three like the season had already started and I just jumped in and I, and I loved it so much and so since then it's just been like a cornerstone of being young and being gay and living in the USA and just like wanting to move to New York City and and wanting to be becoming obsessed with all these queens <laughs> and I was obsessed with the George Alano and Bianca Del Rio and like Alaska and yeah so I started kind of late about midway through high school 
That's kind of like my story of that. Well, if you think you started late, I started with All Stars 3. Are you kidding? Yeah, well, you, first of all, you have to understand that middle school and like in some parts of high school, I grew up in Russia where oh, there was right. just no mention of queer culture. Like the most queer thing we had was Glee. And I was obsessed. <laughs> Not Glee. Well, you know, it didn't age <laughs> well. Glee, Glee was the other band show. Right. For well, me. I wasn't allowed to watch that in middle school either, but I like found a way. Yeah. I was like obsessed, but that show was cursed. I don't know what it is about that show, but every actor in that show, something bad yeah. happened to, or there are horrible people. Uh, poor sorry, Michelle, continue, continue. she got canceled you know. for being a disgusting human being. Literally, and amidst all of this, like all this, everything going on, people still find the time to be like, right. fuck you, Leah Michelle. Yeah, <laughs> like, Michelle. Somehow, she's like, how the fuck did I get canceled of all times now? Like the world is literally burning. Well, you know why? Because there are all these black actors who were on the show who worked with her were like, you right. know what? She did, she said this shit to me and this shit to me. And then mm -hmm. she promised to shit into somebody's wig, which is yes, very creative. I don't, I don't know that actress's name, but I know that Alex Newell, who's fabulous. We love her. So interacted with that actress who I don't know the name of. Right. I guess she was on the show when I stopped watching. She was like season so five, six, her. and she was very background. Right. So then I didn't know who she was, but I saw Alex's tweet and that's when I was like, oh shit. And then everyone just starts crawling out of the woodwork, like dragging this poor bitch by her lace front. Like, Leah, right. you're over. Like, and she's been over. No offense, girl. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know what she's been, been doing. known that she's, I mean, even Alex Newell, like, I remember I met him twice in uh, Bottoms Up, out of all places. Are you kidding? Yeah. Oh my god, in Hell's Kitchen? Yeah, because he was in oh um, Once Upon an Island at that time, so he would always come to uh, Bottoms Up. And the first time I met him, he was pretty sober. And I was like, oh my god, you changed my life. You let me come out, all of that. So it was great. And then the second yeah. time I met him, so I'm trying to like talk to him because I'm like, oh my god, now it's Newell. And we started chatting and he goes like, in my mind, I am a white woman, but not like Leah Michelle. <laughs> Fuck Leah Michelle. And I was like, Oh, tea. Yeah. Tea. And this There's was been underground tea brewing yeah. about that bitch. Yeah. She's not cute. I mean, I love her work on Spring Awakening. And so, but I feel like I used to watch those old Broadway videos of her and her, what's his name? Jonathan Groff? Yeah. Who was also on Glee. Yeah. Playing like, wasn't he like Straight. her, like ended up being her husband or something? Exactly. But he's like a little vanilla chocolate chip gorgeous boy. I love him. I love all his perfect teeth and oh. he sings so well. I mean, he's just vanilla. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't know why I said vanilla and then chocolate chip, but just because I pictured this cute That's little vanilla like. bite-sized thing. Well, listen, he is so cute. And so I could tell, I don't know, they used to make weird YouTube videos together. And I was like, she's that bitch. She is that. I don't know where she's from, but she reminds me of just like, a Jewish American princess. I'm on yeah. Broadway. I'm that bitch. Like, that's the vibe. Nasty. Anyway, this is cute. But <laughs> talking about, you know, these shows. How did like, we get on the topic of Miss Leah? Sorry, continue. <laughs> we just needed to say that she was canceled and happy pride. So, talking about shows like Leah and Drag Race, I think that you brought up a very interesting point that your parents made you feel like you're watching something that you should be shameful because I had the same problem with Glee and that is exactly the reason why I didn't want to watch Drag Race for all these years because I had internalized this shame about you know watching something that's weird because I remember I learned what drag was way before Drag Race even existed. I was a little kid wow. and I remember I saw on TV a video of um, Raining Men, but not the original, but the one from the 90s with RuPaul. Oh. 
And then I was like, oh my God, this girl is beautiful. And then of course, RuPaul opened his mouth and then I got a, you know, error processing in my head. Exactly. I started learning what drag is and then I realized that a lot of um, famous artists in Russia that I grew up with were drag queens and then, you know, mm -hmm. movies like Tootsie and Mrs. Doubtfire are essentially drag. Yeah. I don't really think they're drag because there's just so much more to drag than just putting on a woman's outfit. Yeah. But that was kind of the thing for me. But I've known about Drag Race for a while. I know all the uh -huh. twins in Baruch College were watching it during um, All Stars 2. And like again, like, Katya was robbed. Fifi O'Hare is a bitch. Roxy should have not been in the top four. And I was like, I have no yeah. idea what's going on, but it's exciting to listen. But I still, maybe because I, I was still dealing with that internalized homophobia that I was like, oh, this is too gay for me. Mind you, I was a theater gay. I was very gay. That's what will get you, is that some for some reason, drag, I think, lives in this box that it's, like, too gay to touch. Like, you don't want to open it because you're scared of, like, what you're going to think about yourself or, like, if you're going to like it or not. Because I've dated people who refuse to like Drag Race and just would, it would be on. And me and my friends, who I, every time I reference, like, my friends who has Drag Race, that's, like, that original girl who showed it to me way long ago. She's still my bestie. Anytime we tried to like celebrate it or talk about it, we were just, uh, it was always like, shut up. Like, I don't want to hear this. Like, it's so uninteresting to me or it's just not fun. And I think that a lot of people struggle with that because there's something about drag that's scary. Like, it's so weird watching the show and I'd watch it in high school and be like, when these queens transform into, into drag, it's like, you forget that they're even men. You forget that this is even like anything weird. Or women. Some of them are women. Right, but I'm saying back in like, I guess like 10th grade, like watching the show, I'm like, it's so weird how this just seems so effortless and so natural, but this is a lot of hard work. And these are people that identify as men. And I'm not sure which queens on season seven may now identify as whatever, but I'm just saying like back then when I would think about it, it's like, is this wrong? And I used to watch it in secret from my parents. My parents still didn't want me watching it, but when I was in high school, I had so much more autonomy over it. So over what I could do and how I could watch it. So. I just think the bottom line is, is like drag is weird when you're little because your parents make it weird. And mm -hmm. I just think that like now that drag race is this empire, there's a lot of pros and cons to it. Like the commercialization of queer culture is really gross to me, but it's also like, is this what we wanted? Like It comes with the territory. Yeah, because now Rue is racking up all these Emmys and- And fracking. As Miss Rue, as that was like on the tip of my tongue, she does a lot of things and you know, she's a great, figurehead. Right. She's a great poster face for all of this shit because she's an insanely talented, creative, smart, confident, icon, icon, businesswoman. But in terms of like the artistry of what drag is now, I think that she has contributed what she has to contribute and now she just wants to be on TV and just get her check and just, you know, Listen. live yep. in what it is. With All Stars 5, she doesn't even want to take responsibility for eliminating these girls. She was like, you do this no. and you do this and I'm just gonna get my check. Exactly. And that's how it's been, honestly, for such a long time. And I'm happy for her. I mean, I, I'm not here to talk about Miss Rue, except for I'll just say thank you for giving us this pillar. And, and I think she knows, I think she knows, you know, what she did. And she's like, I, I dropped it. I dropped this bomb on the culture. Right. It's there and it's going to be here for fucking ever. I think drag has shaken up, not even just gay culture, like everything. Straight culture in general. Yeah, because I think all these straight people were finally able to realize that because of their homophobia, they're missing out on such amazing entertainment and just mm -hmm. culture. Because I remember when I was a kid, I used to grow, watch America's Next Top Model, 
and Project Runway. That was the show. Those were the, the gay shows, shows but, yeah. they, but they weren't even really like explicitly gay. Queer. It wasn't explicitly like queer art. It was just like gay people like fashion, but it's for everyone, and right. like uh, top models for everyone. But like this was just for gay. Yeah. Like Logo was like the tiniest little tin can channel in the world that just put on this show about drag yeah. that no one wanted to really talk about and I don't even think Logo wanted to take the show on at first and they dropped it a couple times or something and finally when it was picked up that was the best decision they obviously ever fucking yeah. made. Now they all are millionaires back there at Logo. Literally. I don't know what the deal is with VH1 but they obviously cashed out because now the show's like rich as fuck. Well because VH1 was like we see this show that is being so successful and they just kind of saw the vision that you can kind of take it and make it into a multi-million empire which it is now like there's merchandise and drag con and mm -hmm. you know there's drag race uk and there's drag race canada and there's canada thailand yeah it's yeah who is raking the dough and i mean I on one hand i'm always very um happy for proud queer people being successful doing what they do but on the other hand the rule is making so many decisions that i personally disagree with but i think that comes with the territory of her being at the top of queer celebrities of gay celebrities oh, like yeah. she is she yeah. is now an a-list celebrity even among straight people mm -hmm. so it's like for yeah. us it's like yeah. she's almost like a mythical feature and you know for all these mm -hmm. queens we always hear them especially in the earlier seasons they're like oh my god rupaul rupaul because it was kind of like although rupaul herself was famous the art of drag was still underground yeah exactly she she had to fight she had to fight to get her seat at the table and now she's there and she's like the table is hers now Really though, and that's what's so weird is that I don't think what she was doing was respected. She was a great like clown. Like it was right. great to invite her to host something on some channel and look at RuPaul, like she's so fucking gorgeous and, and this enigma. And now she's like, yeah, no, drag is, can be a serious career for these performers. And I, even if she may be a little bit more than just a little bit detached, I think she might be a lot detached from what's going on on her show a lot of the time. She still fucking invented it. And right. this is still her moment forever. So yeah. good for her, she's an icon, will always yeah. be. And you know what, the fact that RuPaul is responsible for over 150 queer people being catapulted mm -hmm. into stardom and creating yeah. a platform that trickles down to people like you and me sitting in our rooms like i think mm -hmm. it's uh like that's exactly the kind of institutional change that we demand and that is being born by conversations and by art yes absolutely and even though we'll probably get into it when we talk about season 12 i do wish rue was a little bit more political in the right ways and right. a little bit less political in the wrong ways right. i think that she at the end of the day like i'll say it again she's an icon she's like 60 and she's like still on her shit for the most part i mean she may be doing really questionable things but she can't do her makeup mm, as we've seen that she cannot we saw the like really strange face kini, whatever that was on the season 12 Twice. finale. But again, like if I was 60 <laughs> and I just really didn't want to do my makeup, I guess I'd figure it the fuck out. Like if anything, she's just campy as fuck, always. It like, is very she will campy. Always give you, yeah. She will always give you camp, like no effort, but camp. Maybe right. not at the Met Gala where she should have given more camp, but- well, I was gonna say person, that. Just her as a person is so fucking hilarious to me. Like, I just don't know who has the audacity to just, yes, I own the drag empire and I'm gonna be here in a purple hoodie and like a face mask. Yeah. Like no couture. She's so fucking funny in that way. And I will always have respect for her.
her even when she doesn't try it's just so stupid yeah. like she's such she's yeah. so rude about the Met Gala I think everybody was expecting her to show up in full on drag and I knew she wouldn't I knew she wouldn't yeah cause she said I only get up in drag if I get paid because I have to pay Raven and Delta and all the people who are doing my shit so when she came up like on the Met Gala in the outfit that I didn't really like not just because yeah. it was like it wasn't campy it was just cheap and tacky but the fact that she Ooh. didn't dress in drag meant that Violet Chachki and Aquaria were the first drag queens to show up in drag on the Met Gala carpet mm -hmm. to me it was kind of nice that she was like you know what I've had my fair share let these girls have a spotlight yeah, you know, that's a good way to look at it because I'll say this, like, neither you or me are drag queens, from what I understand. Occasionally on Halloween. Exactly. There you go. So it's like, we do not do this professionally and I don't know, I can't speak on the effort that it takes to be in the most excellent version of drag ever that you're going to be on Met Gala red carpet. Mm -hmm. But I do think that the only part of me that feels just the tiniest bit of disappointment in the back corner of my heart is like, I hate that she's so public about oh i'm not doing drag like unless if you're like basically right. forcing me we all know that drag is like or should be i mean queer celebration and fun and i'd like to think that she would want to do it but again like i am not a six-year-old drag queen who she baked the cake she served it to everyone she's had her slice she's full she's done and i think yeah. she made that so clear but yeah i didn't love what she wore i think <laughs> i'm not sure if it was zaldi i think she, she always makes her all, all rules outfits yeah which is so cool to me and i guess i can't say i like hated it but it's just like i knew i was like she's not going to drag right. and I, I was ready if she did i mean she would have shut it down like i would have felt bad for everyone out there. But she knows her angles too. And that bitch has not even turned her face a centimeter she's <laughs> no, she's right like... when she's on the show. If you watch an untucked, and now I love this little untucked that they did. On All Stars 5, yeah. All Stars, because you could see her talking to Michelle and she has a fan that she holds in front of her face. And I'm like, this bitch, like that's me though. Like that's when I say she's a campy psycho bitch. She's a campy crazy bitch. Like I love that she's like, you will own I'm Morticia Adams, if you know like that. Family <laughs> the movie with just the perfectly lit eye. They had a light ring across from her face in every single shot. Her her neck was propped in the perfect lighting to do every scene because she's like, I'm not giving you any bad angles. Yeah. Like I have to respect that. I have to respect that. She is a legend in her own. She right. knows her brand. Not... She knows what her vision yeah. is, what her image is, and yeah. she's trying to stick to that. And she's giving that to us. Whether or not she looks like a Barbie, she doesn't care because, you know, unless bitches pay her bills, they them bitches know mine. I don't think Rue is here to be the relatable mama Rue girl. I think she likes She's being not Tyra. She's not Tyra Banks because no. Tyra was all no. about, like, I'm one of you girls and you wanted yeah. to be her best friend. Rue is like, no. don't talk to me. Rue is made of marble and gold and she's like, you are not me and you won't be. Yeah. What's the Naomi Campbell quote of, like, you will never be me? You're not on my level. You're not on my level, exactly. And as much as like, I think that Rue must have some real person inside of him, I'm fine with this like statuesque fake right. pillar or whatever she wants to be. Yeah. Like, again, like she did her shit, it's okay. I don't think she'll ever go out in public and drag like ever without studio lighting. And when I'm 60, I don't know if I would do it either. So. Yeah. And also like talking about, you know, seeing successful gay people, seeing successful black people, you know, there's this multi-millionaire empire holding queer black man Wait, should I, am i allowed to spill like some tea like some like inside tea Ooh. 
Hell yeah. Okay. Well, because we're talking about, you just really triggered a memory of mine. This is like total shady shit about Rue that I guess, I'm not going to say the sources that I have, but it's totally for people who would never make this up. I work at a boutique in the West Village that who knows when I'm ever going back there um, with everything right. going on. But cause I really don't want to draw anyone to this story. But my manager at my store who's black, and a person who worked there before I worked there who was black, a young black gay boy, uh, I think 20 or 21, Rue had been a customer at the store and basically was just so rude to the person who, like the young worker who worked there, who was young, black, gay, and it had been like their first or second day. This was a story that was told to me by my manager who was still there. And uh, my manager basically just told me that Rue had walked in, had walked over to a shirt and had been like, well, how much is this? Like, like, oh, okay, like what sizes do you have it in? Like, all right. And the uh, the worker, the young man who was like, it had just been like his second or third day and he just made a really big sale. So he ran over to my manager and was like, oh my God, I just made a sale. And Rude literally held up his finger or and was like, okay, I'm really happy about your sale, but like I was talking and like shut him like down and was like, okay, so could you just go and get me this? And was like so dismissive and like so gross and like rude and just like let a bad taste in like everyone's mouth. And my manager who was like, I've never rude to customers ever. Like I never ever try to be this way. I just completely shut down and was like, here's your shirt. Like I'm not even setting up a dressing room for you. Like go ahead, do it yourself. And when Rue left without buying anything, he's like, I just opened the door and shut it right behind him. Like I never wanted him to come back because my manager who was black had said, you know, for you to come into the store and this young black gay boy is so excited to have just made this big sale and and he works here and he's here to serve you to be so rude and dismissive to him and you're like the the icon um or like we just said a million times this like pillar of, of black queer representation to be so rude so dismissive so impersonal just it just shatter this whole image of you and it's like this is someone who's in your own community who you're right. supposed to be here to inspire or, or who may look up to you and just to treat people like they're beneath you when you don't even know them it just was a horrible experience and i don't know you everyone can take that story for what it is but i'm not surprised at rue for being that way in person and also i just i do have to say that the person who told the story to paint it in that light of like young black queer person who's like literally talking to has the chance to meet this like black queer icon to just be so i don't know just like dismissive in that way right. it's like it doesn't sound so the right message. yeah it's more upsetting through that specific lens i think so i don't know i've heard but you really know what i think this example just kind of dismantles this myth that rue has created about herself about being this like giving mother rue who is like yeah. trying to pave the way for future RuPaul's in the world. She does not care about the future RuPaul's of the world. Yeah. I mean, clearly she's fracking, so she doesn't care about the future. Yeah, at all. And that's what the manager was trying to say to me. It was like, it's so upsetting to think that you would think this is like the representation, the mother, the this iconic RuPaul. And it's like, this is someone in your own community that's here to just help sell you a shirt. And you don't even have a minute to just, to just let them speak to their manager. You have to go and interrupt them and intercut them and like, this is this could have been you. This is New York City, like for like God damn it, you know. It's just really frustrating. But I wasn't there. This right. is just a story. Take it for what it is for me. Um, and God bless Rue, the millionaire. Good for I don't her. Really care. Anyway, yeah. so now back to the show. That was just a side. That was a tea time. Oh, the tea break. time. Sorry. The tea I was felt delicious. Like it, whether or not that makes it to the show, I just felt like I had to tell you. There's a thing when Drag Race was in this quarantine. Because to me personally, Drag Race was one of the things that was keeping me sane this quarantine. It gave me something to look forward every Friday. I was like, okay. Yeah. Well, and I have, I'm watching it VH1 live. So I would first watch the 
previous episode of Drag Race, then the regular episode, then Celebrity Drag Race, then Untucked. It would literally be four and a half hours of Drag Race and I would swallow Absolute. it up. I know. I would sort of feel like a little bit like brain dead like after watching all of it. <laughs> like I need like a, lo- a fucking lobotomy from watching Drag Race for like 10 hours a night, but um, every Friday. But it's like, I did not watch it. Right. Like, I, I chose to do it. Um, and it was a yeah, great distraction true. from, you know, the it was. That horrible it was. thing that was happening even before the protests. Oh, no, I'm talking about, yeah, like before the protests, it was a full on just like distraction of like, what am I doing every single day with my life? Okay, well, at least on Friday, I have like a magnet in my day that I can at least right. stick to. And remember that there's like a weekly schedule that I can follow, yeah. which is just watching Drag Race on Friday. Um, and giving a chance to talk to other like-minded people about something that is not corona related exactly season 12 was a good fucking season too yeah like really good and really iconic for like twenty thousand different reasons some good some bad <laughs> um, literally a lot bad but like a lot great yeah as well. you know what to me this was my favorite seasons probably since season nine. Oh my god i literally am so happy you said that that's what i was about to say like, i think the cast was the best in season nine because that was the last time we saw yeah. such a rounded versatile cast of very talented yeah. girls. Season 9 is top, like, fucking tier. Like, that was the most, I think that was- I, well, Let me just say this, I cannot believe that Season 9 had three winners, Sasha Valor, Trinity oh. Tuck, and Shea Coulee. Literally. I mean, that's gonna go down in history as being the season with the entire top three. I mean, Miss Peppermint, I think, is doing her own amazing things. Right. Like, I fucking love her. I don't know if she's ever gonna come back to the show franchise. She might come back she's... now because she's a lip-sync assassin. <gasps> oh my God. You know, I didn't even think of that because I'm not sure where she stands. Maybe she might have distanced herself from the show. I don't know what's no, she, going on with her. She's always, but... on a pit, she's always on a pit stop. She's always on a- Oh, that's right. Yes, okay. But see, that's VH1. I don't know. I don't know. I feel for some reason, I don't see Peppermint coming back into to this Drag Race universe, even though I fucking love her too. Right. So maybe she'll she's, be here all She's amazing, seven, yeah. And she'll fucking win. Uh, who fucking knows? You know what? But, maybe um, maybe um, Drag Race should have an old trans season with Peppermint hosting it should. instead of RuPaul. Maybe they should just like invite trans people to be in every season regardless. Maybe that should just be the tea. But um, Shea is like, I just want to say like, I like how the world has taken a moment to just say, Shay. Like she yeah. is Shay, period. Like she stopped I, the world, like full on Beyonce moment. Really? Like I am so excited to see her back. I think this is actually literally like just the right amount of time. I love that she did not come back for All Stars 3. I love that yeah. she was like, no, I'm gonna turn it down. I need to breathe. I need to grow. I need to get new teeth, which she didn't need to get new teeth, but like her new teeth are like fucking amazing. I think she is just like an enigma of, of beauty that like, I see the evolution. I love when a queen doesn't come back immediately after their season ends. Yeah. I think she's so smart to no do that. No offense, it Aja. So, it was, Exactly, and I think Aja probably knew, and this is no shade towards Aja, because if I was in her position, like, she knows she went home, I think, like, seventh or something, and she knows she's not, you know that Shay and Trinity, they were all asked to be there, yeah. you know? And she's like, bitch, I may not get this opportunity again. Let me hop on it while I can, and Aja was one of my favorite parts of Well, you know, the three, reason they say. had Aja on the show was just because she, Valentina was supposed to be there for All Stars. Exactly. Yes. So I'm telling you, Aja fucking knew. She's like, look, I was not even one of the main characters of this past season. I didn't even do that well. Let me hop on this boat before it never comes back yeah. around. So, she, and I loved her on that season. I actually 
was so upset with her elimination, which, ugh, we can't even get into that. Mm, I mean, it was between but... her and Shangela, so who, who was Bibi gonna send home? Shangela? I know, I know, I know. But I also, but also, but also Aja, made, Aja made Bibi's dress, and Bibi was like, yes, I made it. Oh, I can't, Bibi is, let me tell you, meeting Bibi Sahara Benet in person was one of my favorite drag queen meeting experiences in my life, so I really do love that bitch so much, because she's also unhinged. She's also crazy. She's bougie. But in a way that I'm like obsessed with. I'm obsessed with just how weird. Honestly, she's so weird. Um, but anyway, season nine being, yeah, like I think a really a big turning point, a huge turning yeah. point. Well, that was for the first the VH1 season. That was when Lady Gaga was the opening. And I feel yeah. like Lady Gaga and Drag Race have a very interesting relationship. And just I think to me, this shows how much. Drag Race has become mainstream because she released Stupid Love this year, the day yeah. premiere episode of Drag Race, and then Chromatica was released in a finale. I don't think exactly. that was a coincidence because I think that she knows that gays are waiting for Chromatica. So she was like, Drag exactly. Race nights are gay nights. Let me give them my music. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And the fact that finally our tastes are being catered yeah. to and our tastes were the one that were defining culture for the past many centuries so about damn time yeah. we get something back stephanie germanata knew what she was doing absolutely and most of that album sounds like a rupaul not like a rupaul album but it's just a gay club what a rupaul wants his music to be is grammatica i know we have been talking for a while so let's take a little break Okay, so season nine was great, but I also think that season 12 was the best season since season six in terms of drama and all of that. So let's let's talk about it. Like, what were your thoughts on season 12 in general and your standouts? How did it make you feel? I feel like I had a really interesting relationship with season 12, which sounds so dramatic, but like, I guess maybe Drag Race fans understand what I'm saying, because it's such a big moment every year when the season comes around. I have so many good memories tied to growing up with it, so I, I always really care about when it's announced. And I feel like it was announced so early this year. I remember it was in January and I was actually at a job. I was filming something and I was like, oh my God, the cast is coming out in an hour. And I remember just thinking, oh, this cast reminds me of so many other queens we've seen in the past, which is not like a bad thing. I mean, again, it's been 12 seasons. Exactly. But I just remember thinking like, oh my God, like what I feel like I'm not ready to digest a whole new season right now, but like, let me try to get into it. And I remember watching all the Meet the Queens and being like, it was the first time where I was like, I feel like I don't even know enough yet to see who I really like. I thought, okay, I could see myself liking Gigi because she fits that whole fun, creative, um, skinny white mold. Exactly, which I think we've had enough skinny white fashion, quote unquote, fashion queen twinks do really well on this show, um, which just sounds so shady. But like, I just think we've had enough of that whole mold, which we mm -hmm. can get into. I remember literally actually being like, okay, let me get into Miss Jada. I loved Heidi and that's like all I can remember. And so as the season went on, I was like trying to really enjoy it. And the day that it came out was the day that Stupid Love came out. And I remember I was actually throwing a birthday party for one of my best friends. And I was like trying to stress out, stress out trying to set up this whole party and I was trying to watch the show, the premiere on my phone. And that's when I was like, you know what, fuck it. Like I actually really, 
I really like these queens. And of course, Nikki was there. So it was all, it was really just an amazing moment for me as a Barb. And I think this season turned out actually way better than I expected. Mm -hmm. I mean, so much better. I think Crystal Method is one of my favorite queens and one of the best queens at going on the show and claiming, oh, I'm weird, I'm different. And my drag is this odd sort of commodity. Um, Of oddity, but that was previous season. That was last season. And that's what I'm trying to say is like, I, I think she's one of the first queens to go on this show and claim to be so different and actually be so different and not come at it from a place of this from this pretentious platform because as much as I have respect for every bitch to walk on this show or even win this show I think a lot of these queens I think the narrative that the producers push is that they are so different but I don't believe it in like their spirit and I know it sounds so dramatic but I like that Crystal came from a place of like no I'm just weird because I am and I just want to have fun it's not oh I'm different and you're boring or I'm different and I'm better than you it was just like I'm a fucking weirdo and mm-hmm. I fell in love with her and Jada Essence Hall, Jada Essence Hall, Jada, Jada Essence, period, Hall. Essence, period, Hall, period. Like I fucking live for a Georgina, Goddessa, yeah. Slayana all day, pageant queen, up and down, bitch, elegant, everything. I love that. We've never, ever, this is what I had to say, just flip to the end is like, she to me is one of the most different winners we've ever had because we've never had a winner win who is just straight up and down walked onto the show and said I'm here to do pageant I'm here to do female impersonation and that's what I'm best at and I'm gonna win and she did I mean I remember watching season 9 and thinking oh I want Trinity to win I need this woman to win because we never see a pageant queen take herself all the way to the end and stick to her roots of like I love being gorgeous. I love being perfection. Excellent perfection, beauty. If you want to use the word fishy, whether or not that word is still like popular or not, I think a lot of times that that there's a narrative on the show that that's not valid or right. or that that's not going to win because oh you're putting yourself in that pageant box like you need to be like a super weird, different, like innovative queen to win the show. But I think that Trinity the Chuck is innovative, and I think that Jada Essenthal is incredibly fucking innovative in their own way. I mm-hmm. think the way that they represent the pageant culture is should be praised and I hate that a lot of times on this show they drag these black pageant queens specifically I'm gonna use the word black Mm -hmm. and drag them through these narratives throughout the whole season use them up and then never crown them yeah and I really think that that's an issue we see Kennedy Davenport Asia O'Hara Akira Davenport who I loved every single one of them Akira the most out of the three I just named I guess just because I actually really fucking loved Akira last season I thought she was so funny but you just go in the back of your head like she's not gonna win you know and I don't think that was fair my thing with Akira was she came back she almost won the first episode season 11 but then the whole season they were saying oh she's an underdog they're saying the same thing about Jade and I was like Jada won the first episode why is she an underdog because she's black but the thing with Akira was that we saw her throughout the whole season she made it to the top four and only in the last episode before the finale we find out that she has this entire storyline with her nephew that she's taking care of and I was like I Why know. was this not told us uh, since the beginning? I think it's because yeah. they didn't want us to develop an empathy for her character because they didn't want her to win, which is like, to exactly. me like it's so fucked up. And I'm just happy that this season, the Black Queens like Jada, congratulations to her she deserved to win i mean i thought that Gigi did better in the finale 
because I thought that her lip syncs were more innovative and creative. Because like for me, Jada was just like, like her lip sync in the bedroom was fierce, but I was like, oh, like I feel like I've seen versions of this on TikTok as opposed to mm-hmm. Crystal and Gigi who had these mm-hmm. like conceptions. I was happy that Jada win. I do think that part of the reason that Jada win was because it was there was this political moment and Drag Race wanted to capitalize on it because Drag Race has been like ruthlessly criticized by the fandom for not giving black queens the voices. And then, you know, when they had the whole debacle with All-Stars 4 crowning two winners. The double crowning, which yeah. Which I know you and yeah. I were like, what the fuck when that happened? I know, I know. And it's sad because I don't want any of these queens' wins to be reduced to, because I think there is this narrative this like under with this racist undertone of oh they only won because they're black and I would never reduce it to that because you can't and I definitely don't feel that way about Jada I think that the Monet exchange turning the tuck debacle the only reason it just felt so unnatural was because they didn't even film that like it was right. all edited so it was like All-Stars 3 they filmed the tie and on All-Stars 4 they did oh yeah. they did yeah I didn't even know said that there was a moment when they filmed her winning Kennedy winning should have been Shangela and both of them winning yeah but back to season 12 yeah Exactly. Like, I love that. I think Gigi did everything you have to do to win this show. I mean, I she won the most challenges and she planned out everything she had to do. I felt like the way she approached the show was so perfect in a way that I felt was a little bit less relatable. Like, mm-hmm. I personally do not care. I really do not care if you win challenges at all. I think that a lot of Gigi's challenge wins were unwarranted. I really do believe that. And I and I, Which and I love and Madonna. I cannot believe I cannot believe that Jada Essence Hall was not on the top for Madonna. Oh, I have to say that. No. I my my jaw like fell out of my mouth and hit the floor. I I had this I had it burned into my brain of her in that high waisted black lace. Um, Doing erotica Madonna, justifying her Oh my love. god, so that's, good. That's the my favorite Madonna. Like, well, exactly. I mean, confessions, but I didn't do confessions. I mean, listen. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna have the floor for a minute because this is Madonna oh, challenge. I want you to take it. Yeah. As take it. Anybody who knows me know that I am obsessed with Madonna. I have all her albums on vinyl. I am. Yeah. That's my God. Like, I don't believe in Jesus, but I believe in Madonna, who birthed Jesus, by the way. Yes. But, so I was waiting for this Madonna challenge forever. Well, not forever since All-Stars 3, but you know, I (laughs) thought that this was the best musical. Maybe in part because Madonna is such a universally acclaimed artist that everybody knows, because I felt like when they did like share the musical, the Vixen and Asia Harris straight up said, we don't know how to do her. We don't know enough about Cher. And that kind of like, well, Madonna's the- so versatile. Madonna has a million different eras yeah. with a million different aesthetics, yeah. and it works for this sort of challenge. I actually thought that Gigi deserved her win because to me, drag is all about impersonation and not live vocals. And although Jan sounded phenomenal, danced phenomenal, she did not give me Madonna. She did not give me that energy. She did not, I think she was too much in her head trying to sound perfect as opposed to give us Madonna and Gigi. The second she stepped on that stage, RuPaul gagged, I gagged, she looked like Madonna. She embodied Madonna, even though Madonna never did backflips like that, although she did did similar backflips with the chair. (laughs) Go check out the Blonde Ambition tour. And even based on the Madonna challenge, the fact that it was so close and the fact that, you know, like the girls, the they got their critiques because like the earring was a different color. Like that just shows that this season was stacked. Yeah, Cause season 11 was. was very weak. 
Season 10 was, in my opinion, very boring because we've seen a lot of very similar styles among these teams. Season 10, it was like my least favorite season. Yeah, mine too. Just to give, just to give the tea, yeah. I do not like it. I don't love it. I can't hate a season, but it's not like Right. I think Aquaria is a, became a stronger winner ever since she left the show and how she used her platform and how she sashayed into the fashion world. But on the season, like she only won because everybody else was boring. That's the tea. Yeah. <laughs> Aquaria was cast to win, and to that's win. no yeah. shame because that bitch works. She worked. So she worked hard. Yeah. And I couldn't see anyone else winning, but that's but, another. But the thing's like, um, I don't mind winners like Aquaria who are not that personal because I watch the show for the art of drag. I love the art of mm -hmm. drag. I'm not really watching it for yeah. drama. I'm not really watching it for personality. Actually, some of my favorite queens who are like. Widow Von Du and Kennedy Davenport and Manila in early seasons. I thought that, you know, they're not necessarily like the charismatic fan favorites, but they are mm -hmm. fierce ass bitches. Yeah, I feel like for me, I look so much into people's personalities. If I'm gonna go see someone perform or if I'm gonna fall in love with someone as a character, which obviously all these characters are like, the narratives are super produced, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like I have to really like you. And I think with Gigi, I was always impressed by her because she's gorgeous and, and XYZ talented, like beyond. At the expense, not to sound cynical, but I guess it's just there's something about her wins that I would always question. Is she just winning this because she's tall, white, blonde, and gorgeous? Right. That was a lot of what would go on in my head because you're saying that she definitely embodied Madonna, which I like so agree, but then I have to question myself, like what about Jade Essence Hall right. being literally so sexy and so literally pure perfection? Cause I'm not even talking about Jan, who should have like just won because hello, give this girl the win, she wants so bad. But I think it was obviously done on purpose to create all that drama. Yep. And poor Jan, she just fell victim to, to a Drag Race storyline. But love Jan, love Gigi too. I just was like, okay, cool, Gigi won and okay. I just wasn't excited about it. I don't think I was excited to see her win another challenge when I, I love seeing right. More people just have that moment to win. She already won the ball and she already won Snatch Game, which are like two of the biggest wins ever. It's like when you really look at the stats, which I hate the stats. I hate statistics. I hate looking at Drag Race's way. But when you look at it, the way the show wants you to look at it, if you're going to tell me that there's only one queen in history to win the ball challenge, Snatch Game, and the Rusical challenge, I'd be like, Gigi Good is the winner of all those? I literally, I literally think to myself like, okay, so, but really, Gigi won ever. I think they just monopolized, they used Gigi in a way to, I think, anger people because there's nothing about what Jada did, there's something about what Jan did. Even though I, un I totally understand what you said about her, maybe her not impersonating or audiencing Madonna the best. It's just like these are top tier drag performers. Gigi Good is not the ceiling. She is not the right, ceiling. And I right. people wanted us to think that, and I started to harbor this in my brain. Like, oh, I'm happy for Gigi. Like, I could never really do all pull all that off, yeah. but. Ugh, I didn't need her to win again. So her being, getting to the finale and being the girl who checked every box, never lip synced, which I think was a failure. I mean, why not have this girl lip sync? She I lip synced in the first episode against Widow. She did, but as a winner. Right. And I remember not liking that lip sync. You know what, I actually I, liked it because I, when I saw that little lip sync and I was like, oh, it's Widow versus Gigi. Oh, Widow is gonna eat her up. And she did. But I thought that Gigi was able to show her own unique style of lip syncing that we haven't really seen on Drag Race. So I yeah. thought that for a 21-year-old twink who hasn't been doing this for like decades, I think she stood her ground. And I was actually team yeah. Gigi throughout the whole show because I do love fashion girls. I was gonna say, the thing about Gigi for me is I feel like she's way more, and this is the shady moment of the season when I guess Jackie said this, but I feel like she's way more costume than she is fashion. 
I think that she's a lovely right. queen. I think that she can can construct a garment. But when she says she's a fashion illustration come to life, I think we really, I think she really, there's something about that I feel like is actually so true because when she wore like her pirate entrance look and then she wore that weird colonial look, I just feel like she's like this cut and paste paper doll that she just right. sticks these outfits onto and they don't entice my brain. They don't make me go, ooh, she referenced this in fashion and she's just so yeah. gorgeous. Like there's so many looks that Gigi did that I really forgot about. That's not saying that her orange button look isn't one of my favorite drag race looks like literally of all time, but I'm so fucking biased. Right. Because I love the color yeah. orange and that was the <laughs> best, one of the best, and if you know me, you know that that's Exactly. If I was a drag queen, that's exactly the, the first thing I would want to wear. That outfit is top tier, one of my favorite outfits yeah. ever. I can see you wearing it. But otherwise, I just was never, I can't say that I was gagged. I can never say I was looking at the screen and thought, ooh, I'm, I want to wear that, or she's so creative for doing that. I never mm -hmm. felt that way. I never did. And I feel so bad saying that because I'm not a drag queen. I don't right. know how to sew because her garments are always so impeccable. But speaking of the Madonna challenge, why do I feel like her outfit was a cop out? Why do I feel her like- Her outfit was very basic, but you know what? Why? I, I think it was a um, good choice to kind of enact some kind of a nostalgia in Michelle Visage. And also she did a Michelle Visage reference that nobody else thought of. So that's true. I just feel like to call her the fashion queen, what bothers me is that I love people who can really think outside the box in a different way. Like I right. think that and let she me did explain. It. She did. She didn't. I feel like she had um like a blue bathing suit laying around. She had that blonde wig, and she even knew she added those long nails, that extra spice to the outfit because she knew that it was boring. And I just feel like if you give me Michelle Visage as a runway category, there are five million campy crazy ideas that come to mind with the tit and the crazy big plaques and like just the gaudy Italian, and you can- I know you're picturing Jada's outfit in your head. I am, I literally am. And even Crystal's outfit, that runway was my favorite one because that I was the- I hated it, I hated Crystal's runway. No, I felt I... like it didn't fit in her body. I thought the hair was a mess. I, I just like, to me, that was the least favorite <laughs> Michelle. Um, but I but I still thought that the season 12 was just spectacular because the runways were great, the color purple, Black Wedding, oh, Michelle yeah. Visage. I thought the challenges were great, honestly mm -hmm. great. Like even like the one that the fans liked least, which was America's Worst Challenge, I saw it and I was like, come through production value. And they had they Charo are... and they brought Ornacea. Like they, they yeah. were giving games everything they wanted. I think an episode like The World's Worst is one of those episodes that falls victim to overproduction that shows right. that the show really cares. So I personally wasn't laughing that hard at really any of it, Me but either. I remember it. And you could see like they, the production really cares and they come up with these ideas that just, I like when the queens are more hands-on. Like my favorite challenge was the one woman show was like the mm -hmm. best challenge ever because I don't know what the parameters were. I don't know how much of it might've been. Well, not talk for 17 minutes, that's for sure. Oh, I don't even wanna, that's just as a performer and as just a person, like right. fuck you. <laughs> All I, I mean, I okay, that routine was hysterical. And I knew that if she'd done that in Barracuda or in the club in Astoria, the audience wouldn't eat. Well, I, I, I wasn't gagging. <laughs> I wasn't gagging. I mean, I was gagging at the smell. You know what I'm talking about? Do you remember, you remember Raja from Les yes. Uh I love that. Uh, come through Ford's drama storylines. I know, I know. Well, but sorry, continue. We've got to the subject. I think that this season, well, it's cursed. The season is cursed because they it had the cursed, pandemic. But to me, this was the biggest disappointment because I was a Sherry Pie fan. 
Not That's an admirer. Crazy. Yeah, I was a fan. I saw her during season 10 in a show at the Ritz Club where, where Cracker was. Cracker was horrible in that show, by the way. She was very rude to people. But, I could imagine. But yeah, and then Asha was in that show. And then Madeline Hatter, who was in Dragula, was it? Oh, Madeline's fabulous. Yeah. yeah. So Sherry stole that night, and I was a fan of her for two years. I would specifically go to Queens just to see her shows because... Yeah, and I mean, I know it sounds problematic. Now, I'm haunted. No, I mean, it's not problematic. It's just... Because well, I didn't scared. know that she was that. that person back then. Oh, yeah. No and one... When, I mean, I yeah. guess some people knew, but well, yeah, we didn't. We didn't, we didn't Yeah. And yeah. the fact that, you know, she was cast on a show, and I was like, oh, my God, she can be the first big girl to win. And I think that she came yeah. to the show prepared. She had expensive gowns. I don't think she had a week where she was so bad that she deserved to be in the bottom. I think Sherry Pye was this kind of excellent drag. Well, let me... Let As a person? Uh, what I was going to say about everything you just said was, unfortunately, I disagree. <laughs> and I feel like there's something about Sherry that represents to me what I hate about Drag Race. And I think that it's the like... campiness? No, not that. Because Bianca Del Rio is a campy, crazy, like, cunt. And I think I think, I think Crystal Method is campy. I think what I hate about Sherry is the girls who approach the show with, again, too much production. I don't know why, but I just don't care that you had this designer whip you up this perfect immaculate outfit. I feel like it doesn't speak to me as much as Crystal Method, who you know was at home with her right. sewing needles yeah. and, her, and her creativity putting this together. I think that Sherry was a little bit too perfect, a little bit too organized for me to really fall into liking her. And unfortunately, and that's not like so cynical, but why is there something about Sherry? Despite all of it, like despite everything that we know her for, like Allison Mosey, all that aside. Yeah, I just for, don't our viewer, for our viewers, for not on the drama. So Sherry Pye was accused of catfishing and pretending to be this talent agent, Alison Mossy for HBO. And she used that, that character to solicit new photos mm -hmm. and new videos from young actors who felt traumatized. And you know, they, many of them have spoke out. And immediately when all this started coming out, Sherry, to her little credit, she actually right away said, you know what, I did all of that. Because there are some queens in Drag Race who've been accused of sexual assault Britta. and just, it just ignored it. <laughs> and even earlier seasons. Britta Nofield. Yeah, no. But the thing about Sherry is like, she dug this enormous grave and she fucking knew like, I'm fucked. She continued doing this after she came back from filming, which yep. is like, girl, how are you this dumb? The receipts are like yeah. insane. So I was heartbroken because Sherry Pye was like, <laughs> the one queen I was waiting to get on Poor Max was so excited yeah. for his fave. Yeah, it literally happened the day of her premiere. And I remember this was the moment when I had that reckoning because, you know, it didn't happen to me when Kevin Spacey got accused of sexual assault. Like, to me, when all these celebrities got accused of sexual assault, I was like, fine, bye. With this, I had a little bit of a hard time to let go, maybe because it was so personal, maybe because it's my yeah. favorite show. But then I think that made me realize how deep the trauma and the assault in our system goes. And yeah. I was very, and I am still very disappointed with Drag Race for never talking about these things. Like, you know, my problem with Drag Race is that they choose when they want to be an ally and when they want to be the responsible beacon in the community. But when it came to this, because sexual assault is something that happens in the LGBTQ community so often, mm -hmm. like even like talking on Grindr and guys harassing us and you know, at the club and all of that. So the fact that 
Drag Race, when it was Blair Sinclair coming out that she was raped, you know, they were like, oh my God, anti-rape is in solidarity. But with Sherry Pye, they could have talked about this. They could have been like, you know what? What she yeah. did is fucked up. And the fact that it came somebody from this character who's so beloved, who's so revered by the fans, shows that, you know, predatory behavior can be shown by anybody. And the fact that yeah. Drag Race just completely ignored this elephant in the room just kind of showed this is the way that people have been dealing with sexual assault. I was gonna say, it's been like radio silence on like the radio real silence. Yeah. yeah, and the fact that this is a bit off topic, but just on the Me Too movement, I am not a big fan of just canceling people mm-hmm. because I, although we said we canceled Leah Michelle, but that's a bit different because she was a horrible person. <laughs> this, I think that when we're talking about sexual assault, we need to talk about the nuances we need to listen to what those predators are saying mm-hmm. so we know how they defend and justify their own actions. I'm also going to plug in, everybody should watch the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix because it's really Ooh. good, really yeah. good. So the fact that just Drag Race, which has its platform, and if they just at least spoke out, we're standing in solidarity with the victims and we want to educate our viewers about catfishing and sexual assault, at least give us that. At least try to start yeah. the conversation. Yeah, I don't think VH1 knew how to juggle this really crazy. I mean, we've never seen a queen before the show even starts get just ruined, like ended. And I don't think Sherry should ever come back from this. I don't. She never mm-hmm. will. Um, I think this goes beyond sexual assault. It is sexual assault, but it's in such a unique form that it's like when that news broke, those the poor PR people who work for VH1 and for that show probably had no clue what the fuck they were gonna do because I just don't. I don't know. I wouldn't know what to do really. I mean, I think what they could have done is at least I hate that during the whole reunion which was so boring this year we didn't even get to reflect on the biggest elephant the biggest drama of the whole season which took place outside of the show I mean I would love to know the queen's opinions on this person that we worked with as their sister for months on a show and then months afterward in group text I'm sure and planning out going back to do all the promo week like everything like I just think it's it's what she did was so sick and insane I hate that we like can't talk about it but the show doesn't right. like want to address it and it's like I, I don't know what it's like being on a production team for a nationwide network like VH1 and what they want to do and it's so hard to make statements nowadays but thank god they put that little thing before and after every episode to keep people updated on like why this woman whatever isn't in the show like completely mm-hmm. edited out of the show which thank God she was because what I was saying I guess way before was regardless of all of this I just don't like her <laughs> so annoying I just don't fucking like this bitch like I immediately as a music queen and I know I've known of Sherry for a couple years because I had friends who just like you like really loved her and I turned down going to her shows because I just didn't think she was my type of girl and I could just see myself all season being rubbed the wrong way by this annoying coffee annoying bitch who at the end of the day I'm like okay work you're I feel like this season was so lovable and enjoyable because she wasn't there I feel like she would have been the one that pissed me off the most and and she happens to be a psychotic evil person so yep. it worked out for me and I feel horrible for the victims and I'm so fucking proud of all of them for being like yeah this bitch is not about to be making money off of a television show yeah. and become a famous person because she's fucked up Right, and they were so incredibly brave and smart and everything and all the above to be able to come out and do that and it's like it's not just one person it's like 10 different people and there's more and the journalists who put that article together bitch wherever their award is like they it was groundbreaking for like the queer community I mean she should go to jail I'm not even kidding like I think Sherry is so fucked up it's beyond even ruining like trying to go through with my brain but I don't even know what has she done is that a criminal offense I don't know I I don't even know 
I've watched the tea videos of people who worked with her and were her friends for years. I mean, she literally didn't just catfish someone on a website. Like, she really, like, was friends with people in real life. It's like me and you talking on Instagram every day. We hung out every day and we went to the club together and we went for coffee together and I knew you for years. And for a whole year and a half, I'm telling you about Alice and Mosey and you're talking to me about Alice and Mosey and and you're showing me emails and but the whole time I'm lying to you and you're sending me videos and explicit videos and pictures of you and doing weird things based around weird kinks. I mean, I could never talk to that person again. Who the fuck is ever going to talk to her and be her friend ever again? Like she needs to go, she needs help. And I hope she gets it. And I hope we never have to think about her or see her face like ever again. Or yeah, you know what? Here's what I would love to see from Sherry Pie. If she ever comes back, I want her, first of all, to go to rehab, go into therapy and maybe take this up as a cause. Maybe be like, you know what? I fucked up. Let me help this never happen again. Let me help the victims. Let me try. But to I wouldn't. I'm sorry, but around. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even fucking believe it. Like I think she's dead, done over. Go work somewhere. Move out of the state. Go be some, work at some weird in some weird industry where no one knows you. You're never gonna perform again. Your drag career is literally over. And if I was her victim, I wouldn't even give a fuck. I mean, she's a professional liar. Right. And that's the tea. And I hate to be sound so evil and say that I. So I can't even say that I hate Sherry because I don't know her. I feel bad for her, but I feel worse for the people that wasted years of their lives that could have contributed to their actual career as actors and performers that she literally wasted. I mean, she's sick. I think that someone who sexually assaults someone, I can have zero respect for. And whether we want to talk about getting canceled and coming back from it, learning from your mistake, and just like how you said, maybe come back and be like an advocate for, now I want to help victims of sexual assault. I think for her, it's just dead. The the coffin is nailed, it's over. Because I think that it goes beyond, um, she was drunk and she sexually assaulted someone, or she was sober and she sexually assaulted someone. She literally, this is years in the making. I think she's just a predator, period. Put a period on the end of the sentence. She'll be working at some like dentist office in like Minnesota as a secretary, yeah. broke as fuck with no life. And I'm sorry, but if she's not in jail, that's yeah. where that's exactly where she should be, burning in hell on earth. Like I really don't give a fuck. I don't wish any harm on her. Like I hope that she never takes the self harm. I don't want her to think that she tried. She was she was she hospitalized. Just, I know, and that's what's horrendous. Like I don't want anyone to hurt themselves, but you don't you can't exist in this community anymore. Right. You can't. Like you broke the world's trust, not just because you made one mistake. You made like years of many mistakes. Crime. So maybe you want to go to jail. Maybe you'll have fun there, bitch. I don't know. Maybe she'll finally get laid. Yeah, hang out with the other predators and be behind bars. I don't care. I honestly don't. I don't I don't mean to sound so unempathetic, but I don't No, I feel you like there's there's something that people do. I mean, maybe at the beginning, maybe just because I was so like in denial. I I just wish that there was more on this subject so we could at least know what her reasoning Mm. behind this was. Just because I feel like everybody deserves, you know, a right like everybody's innocent and proven guilty because I am a big not a big fan of the justice system because we need to reform the justice system institutionally in this country and that's why we're protesting Mm -hmm. in the streets Uh, I'm not protesting because I'm not trying to get corona and I live very far away from the nearest protest but the thing is like like, and I was trying to like learn about Cherry Pie like why did she do it and apparently she was bullied for being fat and you know not getting affection I know but I don't care well here's what I want to say I think that we have so many problems in a community that this incident shows 
I think bullying is yeah. not okay. Bad shaming is not okay. Oh, not at all. Which not death threats are not okay. But sexual assault and justifying the experience that was done to you, so and to take that pain that was inflicted on you and inflicted on other people, that's not okay. Never. I mean, Never. there are resentful people out there who may want to get revenge as people who have been through some tough things, and yet it affects their psychological state and the decisions that they make and maybe how they hurt other people. But it takes a certain type of brain, like from yeah. the foundational level. Like you have to be a certain type of person, no matter how damaged you are, to turn and do these things. Like that's just what it is. Maybe they were, maybe her being overweight. I mean, I don't even want to say overweight, but if she was bullied for her weight and she was bullied for being gay, like yeah, we a lot have. of people were. And like it's frustrating that like, she would even try to justify all of this by being mentally ill. It's crazy. Anyway, Sherry's thing done. Buy coffin clothes. The coffin. Bury it in the ground. Like, she threw dirt on her name, ended up at her home burial. Yeah. Savage. Rest and in peace to Alison Mossy. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> but um, now we've moved on to All Stars 5, which is, I think we're yes. getting All Stars way too often, but I think this so, is gonna be a good season. And yeah. maybe you and I can have a whole different conversation with it. And I love this cast. This cast is so... Surprisingly strong. Yeah, it's surprisingly strong. That's a positive way to put it. Because <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say it's weird. It's a, it has a weird flavor. I think there's a lot of queens I would have never thought that I really wanted to see back. Yeah. Not for negative reasons. It's just like I feel like they pulled them out of like we have a lot of season three. I'm like, okay, I would not have thought that. We have But you know what? When I saw the cast, I was like, Well, I guess it's now all and not stars. And one of those uh -huh. people that I thought that way was about Mariah Balenciaga Paris and bitch did she prove me wrong last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. I can't believe the performance she put on and that yeah. I'm so glad Ricky Martin had something to say about it. Yeah. Because she should I have not been safe. She should have been tough. Just because that performance aged so well. I mean, so for it well. to happen now. And I will admit that I wasn't laughing during it. It wasn't because it was funny, but I was like, oh my God, like right. Mariah's doing what? Like I yeah. couldn't follow what was happening in the moment. And she did the spoken word piece about institutionalized trauma of racism in America as a performance art live painting in that cute fashion moment. I encourage everybody to look up that performance because the words that she was saying, straight up something that we can see in a protest being heard. And I applaud Mariah for that because then she proved all this wrong. I love when a queen, my favorite thing about the variety show, and I guess I have to say that this All Stars 5 episode one, the traditional thing that they do now for All Stars, maybe was one of my least favorites just because I think that I love when the queens come back and do something that it's like, oh, that's like your talent. Like, I didn't really yeah. would think to do that. And so it's frustrating because, not frustrating, but it's sometimes like not as fun when they Boring. just come back and they just do like a pre-recorded dance track that they sing. I'm like, that's fabulous. I just like, I like it better when it's like, oh, Kati did gymnastics and Tatiana did. Or Shay did pole dancing. Shay, they brought out that pole. Like they constructed the platform and she only had 10 days of training. It was not FKA Twigs on the pole, no. but like she still did it. And she had, she I was it. like, you'll always be remembered for, oh yeah, Shay did, she was on that pole on the first episode. I won't remember, unfortunately. India Fair is number, and I don't think she deserved to win this episode. But... I don't know why Miss Cracker was in the top this episode. Like, no shade, but like, yeah, you just had a pre-recorded song that you just danced to. Yeah, we've seen fun. that exact number from Monique Hart. Shangela. Shangela, Morgan mm -hmm. McMichaels. Like, it was nothing new. I mean, nothing I new. To, like, I like the gag of like coming out as Adele, and I thought that the track was actually funny. Well, no. I think Ms. Cracker gets a lot of credit for just being like, like a cute little white snack. Like, I don't know yeah. why else. 
I don't even think she's a snack. She might be a cracker, but she ain't no snack. Oh, she's not a snack? I'm sorry. <laughs> she's like, but there's yeah. nothing left in the cupboard. And you're like, okay, I guess I'll be getting this. So this season, I'm rooting for everybody black. Those are the famous words of Moni Cart. I remember. Everybody black and a queer, yeah. Yeah, and that's exactly how I fucking feel. I mean, I think she is gonna take this one as she rightfully should. Uh, the only other person I'd want to win is probably just Juju B. Because like, fuck. Well, now I want Mariah to win. That's true. Mariah did surprise me. I think this is gonna be a good season. And, and I love Jujubee yeah. singing. The last thing I want to talk about, and, and you know, like in variety show, we've seen queens do singing, dancing, performance art. Manila painted a painting last season, you know, shaded pole dancing. Oh, yeah. Think, yeah, I think you just guys to show that drag is anything you want it to be, and it can be mainstream. And mm -hmm. we can all agree that drag race, as problematic as it is, I think yeah. has normalized your experience and again trickle down to you and me being able to sit and talk about it on a podcast hosted by a gay person and things like I, I was even watching Drag Race with my grandma who is very skeptical of um, queer culture but she mm -hmm. loved it and I know straight people are my grandma out. loves this shit too she always says like oh I'm watching tonight and she doesn't watch in order but I think it's great the way that it actually gets a lot of people you from different generations to really care and feel like they can relate to it yeah I, again, I wish that Drag Race was more supportive over Black queens. One of the things that I have a big problem with Drag Race becoming so mainstream is that the way they just let Tyra be beaten and bullied yeah. for 10 years yeah. by these insecure little yeah. white twinks who couldn't handle their Raven law. Nobody decides to threaten to bomb Dracon. <laughs> for no reason like she was just, she was 21 when she won the i know show. tyra is like the winner like double e like i'm 21 i'm gorgeous i'm talented yeah. and, and, and she, she deserved she to win and yeah, she, came, she, she was like i need to win so how do you feel about drag culture becoming so normalized that we've seen on season 12 when they had the makeover challenge and all the super fans were girls Listen, i think drag race becoming so mainstream it needs to sort of take accountability for now that it's in a place that it can be digested by everyone like you said it's become a very problematic show and i think that's something that comes with the territory when something becomes so popular but it has its responsibility extends beyond just, oh, this is a fun show for men to come on here and then, you know, dress up as women. Like, the fact that there's no trans women inclusion in the narrative, besides we have Gia Gunn. I mean, I don't know why they invited Gia Gunn back. I mean, I know why. Just because they needed the token trans queen. That's what I'm queen. trying to say. The problem I have with drag race about trans issues, every time they say, well, we have trans girls. The first out trans girl on the regular series was Peppermint, who was famous. And the other queens that came back to the show, whether like special episodes or all-stars, have transitioned since they appeared in the show. The show yeah. will not cast not famous trans girls. Yeah. And we need that to be changed. And, and Peppermint wasn't, no period, Peppermint hadn't physically transitioned. So I think she knew uh, going on the show that she was, they loved sort of milking her for that trans storyline, but it wasn't like she presented as fully, however you wanted to find presenting as female, I'm not here to define that. But the show, it obviously was like trying to make a point to that like, it. yeah, exactly. That's, I think that's where the issue really lies. And I've heard different things. Like I listened to Alaska and Willem's podcast 
Race Chaser. Which I love. And they, they've had Tion experiences like, what's her name? Jiggly. Yeah, Jiggly. Love Jiggly. Exactly. Jiggly left the show. This is what I have to say about Jiggly. This is some intel. But after she left season four, she was like, oh, now I can get my chance. Like, now I can get my, my surgeries done because she knew that otherwise she was never going to get her foot in the door of the only, you know, drag yeah. mainstream program. So. Same thing with Carmen Carrera. Exactly. She said the same thing. Yeah, there that you she go. She wanted to transition before going on the show and they were like, how about now? And she was transitioning actually while the show was airing. Her season was airing. I didn't even know that. See, that's the thing. It's like, it's just, I hate the way that I feel like sometimes Drag Race likes to pander to the heteronormative audience. I think sometimes they love bringing on that character who's like, my parents didn't like me and my parents were, and I'm not trying to reduce anyone's horrible traumatic stories, but they sometimes yeah. it does feel like they're pandering to this, this sympathetic straight audience of like, oh, this poor gay person who their parents disowned and now they're a drag queen and this is their new family. We've heard that narrative for 12 seasons. I want... And we're tired of that narrative. We're not poor. We're we're resilient. Yeah. We're bold, but we're not I poor. Want, Don't give us your misery. This could be give us more respect. of a queer show. Period. I don't want it to just be like the gay man show. I want it to be the queer, fabulous program. And I don't right. know if Bruce ready to are brave enough to move forward with that. I mean, he doesn't make every decision, but he certainly is the figurehead of this program, and it's his fucking responsibility to care and to do shit. And the way the show has treated yeah. black queens, I think about the vixen, and I think about Monique Cart, and just a lot about. And they're both from season 10, which is why I have a lot of weird... I, season 10 has a really weird... Season 10 had a lot of excellent... And none of them, weeks. I feel like, were highlighted for what they really were. And I still wonder exactly. why Cameron Michaels, who... No shit Cameron Michaels, but was elevated to a level of, like, all the way to the top four. I don't understand. I don't think it was fair. That's why I love Jada's win. And I guess we can sort of finish up with, with this, or just to tie back to season 12 yeah. and where we're at right now. I love Jada Essence Hall's win for so many different reasons, because I think there's the black pageant queen trope that the show like sort of almost exploits where they congratulate them and they celebrate them yeah. and they throw them challenge wins that are deserved and then they go all the way to the crown and they're almost always beaten up by that different new to me jada's win like i was team gg but i was like literally anybody all 12 of them because it's a 12, 12 person season not a 13 person season <laughs> and then dahlia said exactly. 13. um but I like any of them can win. I personally was very attracted to Gigi because she won me yeah. over with being non-binary. She too, won me though. over I love with that. Madonna yeah. challenge. Yeah. So when Jada went, I was like, like happy for the show. Personally, I was a little bit like, hmm. When I woke up in the morning the next day, I was like, we have this excellent, talented, phenomenal, spectacular, yeah. never the same, put in a blender, on amazing <laughs> drag queen. I fell in love with Jada during the political challenge and we're gonna wrap it up with politics because I kind yeah. of like that this season of Drag Race is all about yeah. politics. So I loved her in the political debate challenge because first of all, she wasn't trying to pretend like she's a politician. She was the smartest one of all of them. But when she said that she's the queen of the bitches for the <laughs> bitches, I, I believe that. that. Like, you know that, like, because she's a black queen from Milwaukee. That alone should tell you how much she had to yes. overcome. So the I fact that, that, and I think that's a beautiful, yeah, I think that's a beautiful optics that we have this black, feminine, gay boy from Milwaukee win Emmy Award yeah. winning show and being catapulted to the yeah. stratosphere of queer yeah. celebrities about damn time. And she deserved it. I mean, this classic style of drag that she epitomizes of just, she said it on her very first episode, she walked in, she said, honestly, sometimes I consider myself more of a female impersonator than a drag queen. Even though that's a controversial statement, a lot of drag performers 
performers do feel that way. And that's a completely valid way to feel going on to Drag Race. You can still succeed, you can still win as long as you're true to yourself. And I don't think I've ever felt in such a long time that we've had such a genuine winner. I think Jada is so genuine. I believe in everything she says. Jada said it on that political episode. I don't debate, I argue. And I think that was the funniest things of like, she's like, I'm just approaching this as myself. Cause that's all, that's what I've got. I'm not gonna try to be some right. weird character. Sometimes it works for some queens. Sometimes it doesn't work for others. And I just love her. I think that even down to the last lip sync, Gigi slayed with her little transformation, but then Jada, the last minute in my favorite color, which happens to be orange, lifted up that crown. And I'm like, okay, so you won. Yes. And I, I was a little sad she won, that she yeah. won because we all knew Gigi was like inches, centimeters from winning. Right. Me too. Yeah, Maybe Gigi that's what it was. Gigi was felt centimeters from it, but Jada was the person like, I wanted to win. And then God bless Crystal, who's just fabulous and like doing her thing. But I was like, love her. I think Jada just, I love how even down to her little, I think there's so much essence, I mean, no pun intended, in for her individual little lip <laughs> sync. She's like, yeah, I'm just gonna serve sexy hair in my living room. And she's like, that's because that's what I do as a drag queen. And that's what I'm amazing at. And this is what, I, maybe that's what she could afford. Maybe that's the resource that she had. I mean, Gigi, from what I understand, filmed in like a studio for hers and then she almost got disqualified because she had to go do it. But either yeah. way, like I know maybe Gigi living in LA has a lot of these cool artistic resources. We just said Jada's from Milwaukee, which is not like an artistic hub of right. culture. Like, but I think it is becoming now because of Trixie and BB and all I those know. people. Yeah, so. That's what's so funny too. Like Trixie, Mattel, and Jada came out of the same city. Couldn't be more different, right. but are both just really amazing, cool winners in their own way. Yeah. I mean, Trixie's like a little bit of a controversial winner. I love her and I love that they're both different. They're both from the same city. And I literally could not be more happy that we finally got a cool pageant, gorgeous, head to toe, essence, perfection winner with a real genuine, not just heart, but like cool, fun personality. Yeah. Yeah. Like I won. I didn't have to pull out any crazy stunts. I'm just excellent. Right. I'm just excellent, and I. She heard is the stunt. She doesn't need the stunts. Like Miss Jada Essence. Yeah. I'm so glad she's here. I love Jada, and I'm so happy that yeah. she won. Me too. And so happy. I am just happy that we're living in an America where we have a season of twelve excellent queer people mm -hmm. come from all over the country, and the fact that queer culture is making places like Milwaukee an artistic center, a place yeah. where we did not expect. Yeah queer and black culture to come out of. Again, as problematic of a show Drag Race is, the fact that finally we can have two gay men during the month mm -hmm. of Pride talk about an entire empire, an entire entertainment empire that is by people like us, for people like us, is a sign of hope that America is moving in a better direction. And, you know, we still have to vote the fucker out. Hashtag vote the fucker out. But with all these Black Lives Matter protests and people changing the conversation and drag race becoming so mainstream, America yeah. is becoming a place that I am genuinely learning to love Aww. after all these years of coming here as an immigrant. I'm glad some I'm glad somehow. Somehow. Found a way. Yeah. But really though, I mean, period Donna. Yeah. I love everything you just said, and I couldn't really agree more. I don't. I can't imagine my gay life without Drag Race. As much as I shit on it, as much as I uh, scream at my TV because of the stupid narratives, there's literally no other right. show like it. I am a fucking slave to Drag Race. Like I will Same. be watching it every single year. It's crazy. As much as I don't like it, I think it's gonna probably continue until RuPaul is 85 years old with his face like taped up with like fucking I don't even know, looking like an alien. The time has the come for you. Literally though. 
And I think, yeah, having a Black winner and a Black Mexican geniality, it couldn't speak more to how beautiful Black queer culture is. And they both genuinely are the sweetheart Mexican geniality fan favorite and the excellent winner. Both yeah. of them. They both fit the titles incredibly well. And I just like couldn't be happier for them. I'm so. Well, I couldn't be happier that you joined me today. <gasps> We, yeah. we had, bitch, we just had a conversation. We had a whole ass conversation. Thank you everybody yeah. for listening to this because I know this was a long one, but I hope we gave you all the tea, all the entertainment, all the tea you need. We went off road, then back on, then off again, all around the right. world. Right. Because the road is never straight. <laughs> never. <laughs> this is why I hate you because I feel like you can find any way. It's like the wittiest shit. I do not even planet i just hate you but um thank you so much for having me on i love to talk i feel like even when we're not podcasting i could just talk to you for 12 hours like this podcast legitimately could have been 13 hours long yep. if that was, possible. that was possible so yeah i have the best time ever me too thank you for inviting me on thank you rob and to all of our Thanks. listeners wash your hands stay safe donate to black queer organizations remember that black donate black, yes. yes donate black lives matter Black trans lives matter. Happy Pride and You know where the petitions are, you know where the GoFundMe's are, you know where the links yep. are. Every single fucking one of you. So yep. go do it. I encourage all of y'all yeah. to go in Rob's profile because Instagram because he has yes. at, what, what is your Instagram handle? My Instagram is at oh my god person, sort of like oh my god, which is O-H-M-Y-G-O-D and then Burson. B-E-R-S-O-N. That's my last name. Come find me. I have a bunch of links, a bunch yeah. of shit. Love to get political on Instagram because that's what we need to do. Amen. Stay safe and I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.